Welcome to this week's episode of And the Pod Goes To, presented by The Message Board. I am Alex. With me always is my co-host, Nathan. Nathan, do you want to tell everyone where we are recording from this week? Uh, yeah, so this week we are recording from the nosebleed seats of the Minnesota Duluth UND game. <laughs> and that did you watch any of that game? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't stay awake. <laughs> it was. I'm too old. It was incredible. Um, we were watching it at Pat's parents after we ate oh, dinner sense, and yeah. trying to like, just like watching UND in the first overtime where they had like just chance after chance after chance. Mm-hmm. And they were just playing so fucking sloppy and then couldn't put it together. It was just annoying. I was at a bar with a buddy watching the game and during the first and second overtime, I was like, this is so gross. But all they have to do is just keep putting the puck on net and just see what happens. And they just weren't right. really doing that. Like, just slap. no. They did for the they did for the first for the overtime, first overtime, and then the second and like the second through the fourth, they was all Duluth. Like they couldn't. They had no control. They were bears. They were fun. constantly playing defense. No, it was it was rough. I watched. We watched the first. We watched the third period and the first three overtimes mm-hmm. at a bar because we ended up watching the UFC fights there too. Mm-hmm. And bars in Minnesota cut you off at 11. Luckily, since it was a fight going on, they let us still sit there for a little bit, but they cut off at 11. So at like, I don't know, like 11, 15, I finally went home and I was like, I cannot stay awake for this game anymore. That and I had to work yeah. the next morning. So, Oh, fair enough. Was not less than ideal. Yeah. Less than ideal. Did, do you think, uh, how do you think Brant? Uh, I don't know which shield it was, but he how he felt about losing game on his ice <laughs> on his and on literally so they they call it home ice because that you're that you know that's where you play a lot, but literally that's his home, like that's his ice, <laughs> the shield arena. That's your home, buddy. You that's lost yours. there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm twirling my mustache and watching the Houston Oregon State game to my left here. Ooh, oh, I forgot that game's on. Hell yeah, it is. That's the one thing I want to talk about. I've been I've been on Paramount Plus a lot lately. Okay. Before we get into movie news, I want to talk about the Paramount Plus. I really I hated the 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 format of it right away. Like I thought it was kind yeah. of hard to navigate. Now that I've kind of yeah. figured it out, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. But the live TV aspect of it during March Madness has been super clutch. Is it pretty quick? It's very quick. Like nice. Hulu has live ish sports. CBS is fucking there like it's amazing i love every second of it and that just makes me more even even more happy to think about how they're going to be during during the cbs broadcast during the masters so that means i can have my multiple tvs going and everything like that so nice that makes me feel better now that like all the all the deals that um the nfl is signing for like games on like espn and stuff mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. Like if stream if Paramount Plus can get their streaming to be really quick, I'm hoping everybody else can catch up. It's it's really really good. Like I'm very impressed with it. There hasn't been any lag time. It's it's been awesome. I, I've loved it. I wish that the rest of these people could get their shit together, but you know beggars can't be choosers. Even though I'm paying right. an ass ton amount of money for all of this. Right. So, all right. What do you got for movie news? Uh, so to start us off, finally. The Rock's Black Adam officially has a release date, July 29th, 2022. I thought we were going to fall into the realm of like, uh, oh, fuck. What was the Shedding Tatum's character of the X-Men that he wanted to do forever? 
Um, oh, he wanted Gambit. 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 I thought we were going to fall into Gambit territory where it was going to be talked about for it... five years and then it's not nothing happened. And I'm finally happy that we're going to get this Black Adam movie because right. they're going to be able to build a little bit of, of a different universe out of this as well with the Shazam right. and everything. And there was someone that was cast as his like sidekick. No, uh, so Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan is cast. I don't. I guess I don't know like the origins of Doctor Fate enough. Mm-hmm. But Pierce Brosnan is cast to be the original Doctor Fate. Um, and I asked our friend Pat, who's a better DC knowledge keeper than I am, and he said like I didn't love it because I'm just other than like James Bond, Pierce Brosnan just doesn't do anything for me. I'm too young and have a penis for Pierce Brosnan to do, to do anything for me. Um, and he, and he's like, he's actually kind of a perfect original Dr. Fate. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious. I'm by curious mm. for Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I think I have, I have a man crush on Pierce Brosnan as the joke. I, yes. it stems from watching Mrs. Doubtfire at a young age. You don't, okay. you don't remember Mrs. Doubtfire? I don't remember him in it. He, okay, so this is, like, actually one of the funnier, like, now that I got older and, like, just seeing how it worked out was super weird. So Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Robin Williams' character, divorces his wife, tries to spend more time with his kids, blah, blah, blah. So his wife starts dating Pierce Brosnan's character. And normally okay. in these movies, you know, like, the stepdad is the piece of shit, like... There's this revolu- revel- revelation that the dad and the mom will get back together because the stepdad's a piece of shit. Well, in this movie, the stepdad is actually like a billion times better for these kids than Robin Williams is. So it's right. kind of a weird like twist on that. So right. that's where I really liked him. That and I fucking love Goldeneye. So right, Goldeneye is incredible. And Mamma Mia. <laughs> Except he's he is he is to Mamma Mia what Russell Crowe is to Les Mis. Uh, Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> just just don't just 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 let someone else sing and you can just lip sync. It's fine. Just, just don't. <laughs> what do you got next? Uh, so speaking of Russell Crowe, yes. Uh, so Russell Crowe has joined the cast of Thor: Love and Thunder. Do we know what? What? It just says unspecified role. Okay. I saw that today and I didn't like, sometimes like I follow LCB for like a lot of our like movie news and sometimes mm-hmm. they post like fake news as a joke. Yeah. And sometimes I can't tell. And that makes me an idiot. I can't tell either. <laughs> so, so that's, um, that's fun. It said unspecified role. If I were to guess, cause I think who is it? Um, if he has more than just a cameo role because of like her having a bigger part in it, I could see him potentially like playing the father to um, Natalie Portman's character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or like a relative or something like that. Um, Cause who, my God, why am I blinking? Um, somebody, somebody big name was cast to be the villain. In that oh, movie. Christian Bale. Thank you. Christian Bale is already the villain in that movie. So you can't, obviously that can't be like your go to. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in what part he's going to be. Like I said, I think if he's anything, he'll be like a, he'll be some sort of a relative to Natalie Portman. Uh, maybe an aged version of like a different as guardian or something. Right. And it could know. be like a, Sam, it could be like a Sam Neill like thing where it's just like a small cameo. 
Right. You know, I, but I, I'll know. take him. Nonetheless, Russell Crowe, I think, has got putting out some bad projects, but he is an incredible actor. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for him to be part of this. It also, he is now added to the list of um, actors who's done both DC and Marvel projects. Remind because me. Because he, play, he played Jarrell in Man of Steel. That's right. Okay. I was trying to think earlier. I was like, what the fuck was he in? I couldn't remember. There's parts of Man of Steel that I don't remember. I do like Man of Steel. I, I liked it, but I just don't remember. Maybe it wasn't like as memorable. I don't know. It's not. There's nothing like super, super exciting about Man of Steel. I just thought it was well put together. I've always never really liked the f- idea of Superman. Just I think we've talked about this before. Just how too powerful he is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to get on. The, uh, that's a rabbit hole. What do you <laughs> got next? Uh, so next up, Obi-Wan Kenobi series for Disney Plus is about to start filming um, along with uh, Hayden Christensen and uh, Ewan McGregor already reprising their roles. They did add uh, Joel Edgerton, Kumail Nanjiani, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. to the cast. Um, Joel Edgerton, apparent, uh, assuming that he's reprising his role as Uncle Oa from oh, Uncle Owen, yeah, not Batman. Uncle, Uncle Owen yep. from mm-hmm. uh, the Attack of the Clones and uh, his part in the third Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I have no idea what Kumail Nanjiani and O'Shea Jackson Jr. are going to do, but those are two. I, they added a few other people to the list, but I thought those were the three that kind of stuck out the most to me. No, that's that's all good. And then Betty Safty was one of the weird ones too that I saw. One of the directors from Uncut Gems slash also uh, actor in one of their movies, Good Times. It's a good crew. Mm-hmm. It's a good cast. I'm excited right. that they're they're putting more people into this to kind of make it make it a little bit more expansive. Obviously, this is a storyline that we've kind of been a part of for a while. It's the the Skywalker saga type thing. Hopefully, they. Get a little weirder with it. Do some more stuff with it. I'm still excited. I'm still going to watch it. So it'll be fun. Yeah. What do you got next? Uh, so next up, I need to jump back somewhere because I typed a name wrong down. Or typed a name wrong. Here we go. Evan Peters has been cast to play Jeffrey Dahmer in the upcoming Netflix movie directed by Ryan Murphy. Is this solely like based around Jeffrey Dahmer, or is this like a a movie and then Dahmer ha- lives in this universe? Do we know? I mean, I'm well, guessing it's like a Dahmer movie, but there's also well, like the. Are you talking like the like the whole Zac Efron Ted Bundy thing, or what do you mean? I guess like I'm just wondering how much it's actually going to focus on him as Dahmer versus like this is I'm not comparing Quentin Tarantino to Ryan Murphy, but like. The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when we got, you know, Charles Manson, but Charles Manson was barely, barely in there. Um, I would say it's probably going to be more of a like he's playing Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. So like he, it's gonna. I think he's gonna be the Evan Peters is the main focus of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously Jeffrey Dahmer, like, and it it kind of made me laugh a little bit when Ryan or, or when Ryan Murphy was the one brought up on this because. Obviously, one of the Ryan Murphy like staples is a lot of the movies that he does, or a lot of the TV shows he does. It always has to, it always covers um, main characters that are homosexual. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so Jeffrey Dahmer being, you know, the gay cannibal, if you want to like yeah. really yeah. just put it down to something, he was, you know, a cannibal that, you know, preyed on gay men. Um, so, I mean, it's it was interesting to see Ryan Murphy's name attached to this. And I don't know if like they're trying to... I don't want to project what Ryan Murphy's going to do because he is like, he's much smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. And I think he's better than that, but I don't, I just hope they don't try and go down some sort of rabbit hole of like, um, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was, you know, part of him being closeted in the seventies or in the eighties and nineties is what made him, you know, turned him to towards being a serial killer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't give um, him, don't give him like, uh, don't give him an out. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was like one of the worst. That was one of the shittier things about that Zac Efron um, movie where he played Ted Bundy was like they kind of tried to make Ted Bundy look like a good guy or like somebody who like mm-hmm. you could somebody you would like. And I guess that's part of like the whole Ted Bundy narrative anyway, was the reason that he, you know, had he had so many girlfriends that um, or women flocked to him even while he was on trial for murdering tons of women um and he you know was able to constantly create these relationships with females is because he was charming mm-hmm. so i don't know you know if the if the ryan murphy's movie is going to kind of do try and do the same thing or anything or anything like that but i'm hoping it's not like a again i'm just hoping they're not trying to give him an out because obviously he was such a piece of shit for sure I just wonder how weird they're going to get with this movie, too, because, I mean, obviously Dahmer was a very, like, fucking sick person. Right. I just wonder how how graphic and how dark they're going to go down with this. So it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I know we got a, a, right. quite, a, quite a while before this actually is, comes out, but it'll be – it's interesting. And it, I think Netflix likes to push the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see them trying to um, – trying to – you know, make it a little gorier, make it a little bit darker. But at the same time, Netflix has also very much recently had this whole thing with like character development and stuff like that, where it's like you have a side character and you have these traits about them. And there's like one thing that needs to make them stick out. Okay. They're gay. Right. So it's, I don't, I just don't know where it's going to go. Like I said, Ryan Murphy's smarter than I am. He probably won't play into that hand, but nonetheless, I think, because Murphy, especially after doing like the OJ series um, on for FX, I think he's going to do a good job with like hit this historical drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, it's, is it a movie or is it a limited series? Do, I don't know. It's don't, a movie. It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. Yeah. So they can only go so they can only go so deep into the into the into the stuff then here, too. So that'll just be. It'd be interesting what they touch on, what they don't touch on, what they. Yeah, it'll be. I'm, I'm interested. I'm not talking right. myself out of it yet. What do you got next? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so next up, did you, so you're a Lord of the Rings fan, mm-hmm. not as deep as you are like Harry Potter and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but Lord of the Rings fan nonetheless. Have you ever thought two seconds about Gollum other than in the movies? Like? His life prior to him meeting up with Frodo. I mean, Yeah. I mean, I've thought about it, like how, like it was kind of portrayed, it was kind of shown, but very briefly. Like, it would be interesting to see, like, what, like, obviously there was a very quick setup as far as like how, what turned him into that. But right. I, I, you know, like, I mean, a back. I understand you're probably going towards. Are they making a backstory of Gollum? 
so they're doing it in a video game format. Okay. Uh, so coming out next year will be Lord of the Rings Gollum. Uh, Lord of the Rings Gollum. It's a video game where you play as Smeagol, who then becomes Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you are basically you are decide you're trying to make your way through Middle Earth, flying, you know, sneaking your way around, trying to survive, mm-hmm. um, and trying to gain find the ring essentially. Um, and because he has split personalities, every decision you make mm-hmm. will either, will harm or uh, favor Gollum in different ways. So it's like, you know, remember the fable series where you could always like decide if you want to be good or a villain based yeah. on your action. You can kind of do the same thing with this Gollum game. Is it is it from the same creators as like the Shadows of Mordor games and stuff like that? Or is it? it the cover looked very familiar, but I did not see who was making it. Okay. Because that'll change my perspective on this game. If it's the same people who've made the last couple of Lord of the Ring games, fuck it. Like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. If it's some random tech company that's just like, yep, yeah, we're going to make a Gollum game and Smeagol game, like, then I might be a little bit out of it. But, like, I've, I've never personally played, like, Shadows of Mordor, and I'm trying to think of what the other one is, but I've watched uh, our friend Colton. I've watched Colton play mm-hmm. it for countless hours, and it's right. it looks awesome. It looks interesting. It looks super good. I I... I don't have the time, nor do I want to go down the rabbit hole of playing an extensively long, like multi, multi-hour mm. game. Right. You know, I like to play video games. I like playing video games a lot, but at like for an hour, for thirty minutes. Right. You know, I don't like to play it for extensive periods of time because I could either get a get bored or b I just I lose myself and I just waste a whole day. So. Right. No, completely agree. I think it's got to be from the same company that did Shadows of Mordor, and um, uh, I can't again. I can't remember what the other one is either. Anyway, it's got to be from them because, like, you got to think of having the rights with, like, the rights to do it with such a large book, movie, mm-hmm. series, franchise. Um, and if you don't have that, then you know there's there's no way that game gets made. So you think they have to have it. Yeah, and isn't Amazon, like, releasing some sort of, like, Lord of the Rings universe TV series in the next couple of years? I feel like I remember hearing about that. I could That's, be wrong. That sounds right. I could be very wrong. I've been wrong multiple times in my life, Nathan. Once or twice? Just a couple 13, 14. Couple 13, 14. All right. What do you got next? Uh, so next up, George R. R. Martin... Uh, he signs a five-year deal with HBO to create content for their platform. Uh, it's likely going to put uh, on hold The Winds of Winter, which is a book he was writing for the Game of Thrones series. Yeah, he signed, like, what do you say? It was an eight-figure deal. Something it, ridiculous. Five-year, eight figures. And the crazy part is, like, he wrote the base. he wrote the base for the Game of Thrones franchise, which, of course... Made HBO so much money. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so much so, money. So, so, so. But he wrote nothing for the, like, I don't know if he wrote, he didn't write any of the script. He didn't, like, mm-hmm. everything was just adapted off of his books. And then they waited the last, like, couple seasons that really fell off. The problem was they didn't really have a base to work off of because he was, he wasn't done with the book that he's currently writing. Right. So it's incredible. It's, crazy to think that they're like hey we want you to come on and create stuff so he's got to have just like books and books and books at home like 
unpublished or not quite finished or published that like are great content that were never that were kind of looked over. Because honestly, other than Game of Thrones, I don't know what else he's written. But he's got to have just piles of stuff at home that he's like, here, make this, and just throws right. them a, a tattered notebook with a jelly donut stain on top. And <laughs> yeah, I, they're gonna. I, I don't think any. I don't think we'll ever be able to recreate what happened with Game of Thrones, no matter right. what. No, no matter how much money they throw at George R. R. Martin. No matter how much money they throw out of special effects and directors and everything like that, I don't think they'll ever be able to recreate what was happening in that moment. Well, I think they, I think they will still make money a lot, a lot of money off of these deals, yeah, but not, not mm-hmm. like they did with the original Game of Thrones run. And I just don't think you'll right. be able to recreate that, that momentum that it had. Right. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's the tough part. Is again, it was unprecedented, unprecedented at the time in terms of TV show drama, just the whole encapsulating like mythology behind it. And it was so detailed and like, how can you sit down and write something that detailed again, you know, where you have history on something that you're just like, you have to write a history in order to write your story. Mm -hmm. It's, it was so detailed and to have like to, and to build a basis off of it. So I don't see, I mean, unless he's going to be writing for the Game of Thrones prequel series that's taking that they're working on for HBO, I don't know if he's again doing new content or what it is. But man, it's going to be something. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this could be years and years years worth of content that's going to be coming out. So for sure, we'll see. Uh, what do you got next? Uh, so next up. Uh, James Suicide, excuse me, James Gunn's <laughs> Suicide Squad um, released its Red Band trailer the other day. I think solidifying the fact that it's, fi- it's an R-rated movie. Yes. Which makes me so happy. So happy. I'm just, I'm giddy. DC, I'm so like Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers finally did this where they're just like, Hey, this is meant to be what it was. Well, I it was meant to be what it wasn't, mm-hmm. is what I should say. Like what what they gave us was such a like f- just under underwhelming performance and they're finally like, "Hey, we're going to do this again. We're going to make we're going to take somebody who has a history of good ensemble movies and we're going to do it right." Yeah, and it I... makes me so happy it's it's awesome i i was very surprised to learn that i mean i, I learned pr- right before i watched the trailer that sylvester stallone was gonna be voicing king shark and that makes me really happy and especially oh, man, watching that, him in the trailer that's pretty great that is pretty great i oh man i just i don't know what to think of it um like trying to trying to know where it's going to go like mm-hmm. there's people saying this saying you know don't get attached to characters um because they're not going to last very long you obviously like you have a few characters who or a few actors who obviously did a good enough job in the original to get recast in this one mm-hmm. between viola davis um margot roby and um joel kinnaman uh, joel kinnaman thank you 
I think whoever played Captain Boomerang's recast and Jai well. Courtney, yes, yeah, but he they I don't care about King Captain Boomerang. <laughs> um, but I I think I think again there's this there's a good base there. They're a fun it's a fun group to watch, and it seems like they're like it seems like there's more on the line from watching the trailer, like or they're kind of back to doing things that aren't beyond their capabilities if that right, makes sense right like your your first movie or the first time touching on to this group and you have them going up against a witch that they can't defeat whereas like in the previews they're going up against like black ops military types mm-hmm. so it's something they have more control over and can fight with and everything like that i i think i've watched this trailer collectively six times since it came out Okay. And I watched a breakdown of the trailer too by this this YouTube channel that I watched breakdowns of every after I watched every WandaVision episode I'd go watch the breakdown to see if I missed anything or any insight that he had and he had some pretty good thoughts on on the on the trailer but I was just I just loved between the Steely Dan song playing this the, the so much better. Yeah, better than Bohemian Rhapsody. The general like just humor that they have. This movie's obviously going to be very funny. Mm-hmm. Which is nice, and I like that they can play up to not like PG thirteen comedy. They can play it into right. R rated comedy. The gore is what's really gonna get me going. Like when King Shark rips rips apart that guy in half, like that's that was a. And they just show him sitting there chewing on his arm. Yeah, I would I would have that picture as like my, I don't know. It's like art. That was art right. in its purest form. Right. So. It, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be super fun. I. Uh, <sighs> I hope it makes a lot of money. I think it will. I don't know if it's going to touch Deadpool money, but I bet it will get close. I just hope it does well so that DC can say we can keep doing this. Because obviously the Batman wants to be rated R. That movie's mm-hmm. going to make so much money. It's going to make so much money. That movie's going to make so much money. It just it really has to wait to... I think, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel in terms of theaters opening up Mm -hmm. and since the batman got pushed back to next year i think it's like finally theaters opening again will help it Mm -hmm. like looking at this weekend's box office and like in overseas um godzilla versus king kong was the number one at like 80 million Mm -hmm. but like that's kind of back to normal but in the u.s i think it was um uh nobody yeah which I do want to see. Uh, and it, I do too. But it was nobody at like 8 million. And that's not like surprising. It, it just wasn't a lot of money going into like that was, you know, getting this, getting the, on these like weekend box offices. Right. Well, I know that Godzilla versus Kong comes out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I, I, we have the in-laws coming to town this weekend, so I doubt I will be going to see it this weekend. I'm hoping to go see it maybe next Sunday night, like Sunday night when they leave town. Right. I am. I want to watch it at home because obviously it's available to me with HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But this is one that I feel like I just need to watch in the theater. This is going to be my first theater experience since COVID, and I need this is this is like the perfect movie for me to go on to go to theaters for. Right. You need this. You need. This. I need this. I need this. Exactly. What do you got next? Uh, so last bit of news, a little bit of sad news. Um, a couple days ago, I think Thursday or Friday, 
Um, actress Jessica Walter passes away at the age of 80. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know who Jessica Walter is, uh, she was she played Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development. She also voiced Mallory Archer on the uh, uh, on the FX TV uh, animated show Archer. Um, just hilarious. Like, I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to think of many like other actors who delivered lines as well as she did. Mm-hmm. Um, just like her pace and her tone and like her ability to deliver, deliver so serious, knowing that it was just going to drop a bomb in terms of how funny it was. Um, she's so good. And this one, like, because especially because they're still doing Archer, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough to see where they go with it um, with the show after her passing away. Um, obviously, with her being such a big part of it, I don't know if they're just like, maybe this is our out, or they try and replace her or do what they whatever. But um, you know, just big R.I.P. No, that like you said, it, you said it all. Just her delivery on Arrested Development was just superb like playing like this woman who has never had to work a day in her life who does not understand the concept of money and just mm-hmm. the lines she would just drop were so, so good and it was so, so deadpan. deadpan yeah oh my god and like you you believed every single line she said and okay. that's what made it great oh she was so good she was great so yeah big rip to that one that was that was good you said it all there yeah, Archer will be interesting. I haven't watched Archer in a long time, to be honest with you. I know that you guys love Archer. I just, I couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. I know it's my humor. I just never did. I just never got past like the first season. Try it again. <sighs> I know. I know I should. All right. Should we review some movies? Let's review some movies. So, again, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the podcast that we're going to do a little bit different um, style of review. So, this week we're going to review um, Sound of Metal. And then we're also going to review Promising Young Woman. So we're going to try to review um, Oscar-nominated movies. Since we're about four weeks away from the Oscars, we'll try to get them all done before the end. So it should be a good mm-hmm. time. So um, with, with with Sound of Metal, you and I will both um, review it. And then with Promising Young Woman, um, it'll be mostly me just reviewing it and then you asking questions. So do you want to start off with Sound of Metal? Yeah. Uh, so Sound of Metal, Metal released on Amazon back in November. Um, stars Riz Ahmed as, let me just pull up the synopsis here real quick. You're good. Uh, uh, so stars Riz Ahmed as a heavy metal drummer whose life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Um, this movie had six Oscar nominations, including Riz Ahmed as best actor, um, best picture, best original screenplay, best supporting actor for Paul Racy, who we'll get into best film editing and best sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie, I watched it probably two months ago, middle, maybe yeah, middle of January or something like that. And I have been obsessed with this movie ever since I haven't sat down to rewatch it yet, but it's just, I was so taken away with it. Like I'm not a big, I'm not a big indie movie guy. Um, not that I don't like them, but because I just, I've always been more of like a blockbuster, big move, big budget movie person. And I just haven't taken that step into getting more into indies. And this was just so incredible. And his, like 
all the the acting across the board i thought was great obviously like paul racy and um riz ahmed were the main two they do they are pretty much i want to say like 70 percent of the dialogue in this movie yeah you know olivia cook speaks a little bit and that's not a joke on the fact that they spend <laughs> a lot of the movie at a deaf at a deaf community um but they are like a majority of the dialogue and so and if you guys want a little bit more in on it i did write up a little piece on our facebook page that you guys can go and read um but across the board i just thought that this was an incredible movie top to bottom um so I guess I don't know. I don't know where you want me to start. Um, you know, even, just from the beginning or yeah, wherever ahead. you but, start, wherever you feel, feel necessary. So what, what drew me into this movie right away and why I, I loved it so much was there were some things that they did early in the movie. Again, if you can draw me in with little dialogue that they did in the movie where him doing his morning routine of waking up, them him drumming wakes up in the morning makes breakfast go you know works out um dances with his girlfriend in their rv and doing everything normal and they they immerse you with so much sound and so much going on around you and then the next day after he starts to lose his hearing he does the same routine and it's all gone and it's just like this sinking feeling because you're watching him do the exact same thing over again and there's nothing there um, when I wrote, you know, there's, there's so many things about that this movie could be about. Um, and I, I'd say one of the big things this movie is about is about addiction. Mm-hmm. So they talk about his character being, being a former addict. And when he loses his hearing, he's, he's goes to this community to help him cope with his loss of sound. Right. So him learning sign language and just dealing with the fact that he can't hear anymore. Uh, because, you know, he has to go to this because a cochlear implant is too expensive and everything like that. And him trying to cope with life without hearing. Mm-hmm. And he goes through this and he goes through this incredible journey where he's starting to get comfortable. And it seems like he's starting to feel okay with everything. And because he misses his girlfriend, he sells everything he has to his name and goes and gets a cochlear implant. And because of that, he gets kicked out of the, the deaf community, which was like, which had taken him in and was kind of a pseudo family for him because they talk a little bit how he basically has no family. Um, and they become his pseudo family and he gets kicked out and left behind because he's so addicted to, to sound. He, he needs He needs sound so he can go back to his original life or his normal life. And when he loses all of it, he and then he gets it back with the cochlear implant and it just it's not the same mm-hmm. and he finally finds peace in silence and i just it was such like there were so part there were so many parts of it that like they hit you hard and they kind of drag you a little bit and there were some really good uplifting things and this movie was just kind of a little bit of of a roller coaster emotionally in my opinion because you kind of hate him because he's kind of a dick right away in the movie and then you kind of see him progress and get better. And I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was so good. Mm-hmm. No, I really like this movie. I watched it for the first time just today and I really did like it. I thought the acting was very well done. Like you said, um, 
the the characters are all super super good. Olivia Cook did really really well in this movie. She I she was really un- I didn't re- remember who she was right away because she was just no nope. not normal looking like her bleached eyebrows and just kind of just just it doesn't look like her. So I was right. very very taken back right away. But then I finally figured it out. And then um, Paul Racy, like you said, just amazing amazing acting performance from him. Um. Just God, it was super, super good. All the characters in this movie just did really, really well. And like you said, there were just that. I mean, three to four main characters that took up the most of the movie. When you think mm-hmm. about it, like, no, it was just fun to watch. Um, my favorite parts of the movie were him at the, at the like the commune essentially. Like I don't want to call it a commune, but like at at the help center. Like when he was living with all the other deaf people in their community. Um, right. The, the the way that they all connected, the way that. It was it was interesting to watch because for a while there, you know, he's sitting there and he doesn't understand sign language and they're all at the dinner table talking and he has no idea what's happening. He can't figure out like what's going on. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't nothing. Nothing's going right. And then he starts taking um, American Sign Language at like a local school with a bunch of kids. And those scenes were super good when when he started to connect with the kids and just. Those were, I thought that was such like, it was such good acting without dialogue. Like, right. That's what made, that's what made this movie so great is just the acting. You don't need heavy dialogue to make acting great. You don't need an Aaron Sorkin script to make a great movie. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need a bloated script. Um, then obviously that's why Riz Ahmed is obviously nominated for an Oscar along with Paul Racy. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, I really like the scenes with the kids. I just, with any scene with, with the deaf community, and the deaf kids were just really good just because they had to focus on that body language. They had to focus on that, all on that. And like you said, it was an emotional roller coaster. So there was like a lot of ups and then there was a lot of downs also along with it. What I thought was an interesting thing as far as the direction goes is when he finally learns sign language, that's when mm-hmm. the director decided to use like captions for talking. Oh yeah. So I thought that yep. was kind of cool. Like, cause he like, you're in it with him. Like you do, like if you don't understand sign language, you cannot tell what these people are talking about. You cannot right. read lips fast yep, enough. You're super lost. Yep. You're super lost. And as soon as he learns how to read how to read sign language, that's when the director gives you that so that mm-hmm. you can keep up. So right. I did like that a lot. Well, and one of the things that this movie was really praised about is the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, avoiding getting like big name actors and getting people like Paul Racy and getting um I can't remember the actress's name who held who led the the school or the elementary mm-hmm. school class, which is a shame because she was incredible in this, but they went for actors who are a part of the deaf community. And it just added and made such a, it, it added to the authenticity of the movie. Um, you and I talked about a little bit before we started recording um, Paul Racy, like for anybody listening who has a minute, go and look up his like bio on IMDb. Like it's incredible. He was born to deaf parents. He lost his hearing in the Vietnam War. He's focused in like helping the deaf community around Los Angeles where he lives. And he's part of a metal band or he's part of a rock band that uses ASL. Like he's his he just is so incredible. And that's why I was so, so happy when he got nominated, not only because of his performance, but just like who he seems to be as a person and like what he does um for his community everything i was that's part of why i was so happy he got nominated and his monologue after he has to tell um 
after he has to tell Riz Ahmed's character that he can't stay at the community anymore because of his cochlear implant was honestly one of the best monologues I have heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. No, it was super good. I, I think I, I really, I really love the movie. Don't get me wrong. I, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit here, but like I was, I was with the movie, with the movie, with the movie. And then as soon as he decided to get those cochlear implants, that's when the movie kind of fell a little bit for me. Like the scene where I didn't really like the scene with them at the house with, with her dad. Mm-hmm. And when he like basically forces her to sing a song with her that he wrote for her, yeah. his, you know, her dead mom that, that died by suicide. And that was, I don't know. It just kind of felt forced. And like her, like her acting was good in it. Like she didn't genuinely want to be there, but I just didn't think that her dad was, and he's a, actually a decently big actor. He's been in a couple, he's been in a couple movies. He was a James Bond villain. Um, I just didn't like that scene. I don't know. The only thing about the scene that I liked is him trying to like figure out his cochlear implants, like trying to like comprehend like all the sounds coming in, trying to, because there was just so much right. happening. Like he's finally he's finally hearing again, and we don't know how long he's been gone. They never give us a mm-hmm. timestamp or anything like that, so we don't know how long he's been gone for. So he has had zero hearing for. We don't know how long. I'm gonna guess a year at least, and he finally just gets it back, and it's just so much just coming back into him. So him trying mm-hmm. to process that, I did like, but the rest of that scene, I just it kind of fell flat for me almost. Like I understand the idea of them. Mm-hmm realizing that they've grown apart and that they probably can't be together now, but, and him kind of self realizing that he doesn't want these cochlear implants now that he's finally paid for them and got them and he takes them out at the end. I like that, but just that, that the end of the third, the end, the getting to the end of the third act for me, wasn't that great. For sure. I disagree with the part at the house purely because I think he has to see her, living a better life than he imagined. Yeah. Like when him, them together, he had this whole idea of they were out. um, They were out against the world. It was them to developing their band. They were going to be the next big thing. They were making progress and he sees her after however much time he spent at the community and she's doing better than he imagined. Mm -hmm. And he realizes that that's the best situation for her. I love the I love the scene also just because again he's trying to listen to her sing, mm-hmm. but he can't because his cochlear implants don't allow him to. Mm-hmm. And you see that after he gets the surgery is that he he it's not what he imagines like the disappointment that he has because it's just like static, and like he's getting like bits and pieces of everything as opposed to the actual like you can tell that he thought like oh I'll get these and I'll be able to hear again and it's right. perfect. You know, and so I thought that there was going to be, I thought there was going to be more there in that sense. Mm -hmm. The other direction I thought this movie was going to go that I'm glad it didn't because it made it a better movie. So there's the scene when they're watching something with, he's doing something with the elementary school kids Mm -hmm. um, in their classroom. And he takes the one kid who's having trouble paying attention Mm -hmm. and they go outside and they start like beating on the, the, um, the slide a little bit that was awesome and they scene. like and dealing with like feeling the vibrations and everything like that excuse me and i thought that he was going to like use that as his way to get back to drumming as like you know put a metal put a metal base underneath his drum set and like underneath their stage um so that mm-hmm. he can feel the vibrations from her guitar and he knows what's going on and they can feel and he can feel it all then 
And that's where I thought they were going to go with it. But it and that would have made it a feel good movie, but it wouldn't have made it the movie that it was. Right. Right. No, for sure. I love that scene just because it's so simple and there's just nothing there besides them just connecting for two minutes. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Something I thought was odd, and maybe it, it didn't ruin the movie for me, but it didn't help the movie either, was just the, the fact that they talked about his heroin addiction, but then it never really, like, he never tries to have a relapse about it, which is kind of surprising. Obviously, he's still at the commune house, so there's no way he mm-hmm. can get drugs, but drug addicts always find a way to get drugs. Like, that's their that's their whole gig, is, like, trying to figure that out. I don't, well, I don't... and that's where, uh, that's where earlier I was talking about, like, his addictive tendencies. Right. So, like him having to go and find him like needing to go and find his girlfriend and be able to get his hearing back, but also like him being sneaky, mm-hmm. like him sneaking into the, him sneaking into uh, Paul Racy's character's office to go and find his girlfriend or send emails or make phone calls. Like those are, that's the addictive tendencies that he, that like show up again. It might not have been him using heroin, um, mm-hmm especially because like his girlfriend puts a kibosh to that the second he has a cigarette, you know, she's like, uh, he's starting to real, I'm starting to see relapse because he's smoking and stuff like that. So, um, I get, I, I get his like addictive tendencies through his Mm -hmm. actions, not that he had to go back to heroin. Um, and I think the center that he's at, um, they say something about addiction as well because Paul Racy said he was an alcoholic at one point. Yep. So I don't know. I think a lot of the characters dealt with addiction. So I think as part of their, not only was the center for him to learn hearing better, but it was him to deal with his addiction. Gotcha. For sure. If, if this, if this movie doesn't win for, for best, best sound, that is an absolute travesty. It's so good. All all of the sounds that they did and just how they mixed it and everything. It didn't get nominated for sound mixing. It got just sent nominated for best sound. So I feel right. like, yeah, if this doesn't win that, it that's it's a it's a goddamn travesty. If they if it wins for best sound, are they gonna etch onto the um do do you think they would just etch onto the trophy best sound of metal? Nice. Uh, that's I see what you did there. That's good. Let's see what you did there. Um, do you want to score this movie? Let's score this movie. I gave it an 82. I, again, I liked it. It's not my, the favorite movie I've watched from the 2020s. Uh, mm-hmm. really, really good. Acting was very, very good. Acting was stellar. Some things, like I said, again, some things I just didn't agree with, but there was a lot of things I did like. So I, I, I'm going to give it an 82. So for me, this movie gets a 94. I figured you'd be higher. I, like I said, I love this. It was my favorite movie I saw last year. Mm-hmm. Um, forgetting a lot of the movies that I saw last year, but it was one of my, it was my favorite movie last year. And it just, again, it, it hits emotionally. It's good. It It's not even like, you know, for me, comedy is such a big part of movies that I watch and it's not particularly funny in any, in any cases, but just like following this emotional, like, roller coaster that you go through with this character and just be feeling like you're a part of it. Like you said, where, you know, when he's deaf and can't understand when he's in the deaf community and you can't understand what's going on, you can't understand what's going on because you don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
just feel like you can kind of feel how he feels alone and everything like that. And just following it and, and doing, going through that journey with him, understanding why he'd go through the cochlear implants, but you know, also hating him for doing it. And I just, I love this movie. No, oh, that's awesome. Will it, sorry. My dog is being a turd right now. Um, <laughs> no, it's awesome. So yeah, 80, 82 for me. Did I say, yeah, I said 82. It was 81 or 82. I can't remember. I'm already lost. I'm shook already. Um, <laughs> excellent. Well, let's move on to the next one then. So promising young woman, uh, came out also in 2020. Let me pull up the, thing jigger here because i was looking at sound of metal as well we were talking so while you look that up i'll just note so here are there uh, for promising young women here are there five oscar nominations it is best picture best director best actress in carrie mulligan mm-hmm. uh best original screenplay and best film editing perfect so these two movies actually go up against each other in quite a lot of categories uh, in a few categories in three of the three of them for sound of metal and they go up against each other in three different categories, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's going to be super fun. All right. Promising Young Woman stars Carrie Mulligan. Uh, a young woman traumatized by a tragic tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Also starring Bo Burnham. Um, Allison Brie is in this movie. There's a, there's, a lo- there's a lot of random. I shouldn't say random. There's a lot of small cameos like Adam Brody's in it for a hot second. Christopher Mintz Plassey, who plays McMull- McLovin's in this for a hot second. Um, I sat down and watched this movie a couple months ago, and I I absolutely loved it. I this movie is super good. It's a it's definitely a dark movie. It's a dark comedy. There are comedy mm-hmm. aspects of it. There's parts. There's weird parts of this movie because there's parts where it, this, this movie becomes. It starts off dark, so the movie starts off. This movie is about okay. So when they're talking about a tragic past, Carrie Carrie Mulligan's character, whose name is Cassandra Cassie. Um, her best friend in college was, was raped and it's ambiguous to whether or not she is alive now or not. It's kind of ambiguous throughout the entire movie because she does go, there's parts of the movie where they talk about her, they talk about her kind of being not there anymore, but they also still talk about her maybe being somewhere else. Regardless, she, she was raped and she tried to go to the in college and tried to go to the school board and basically brush it off because these young men who are becoming doctors would basically ruin their ruin their lives. A lot of this movie was written as it was it was a movie written about basically the Brock Turner case. If you remember him, the the Sanford swimmer, who okay. the in, during the trials, um, the judge called him a promising young man. So that's where the 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 movie's title "Promising Woman" comes from. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a spit okay. on a spit on that a little bit. So so Cassie's best friend was raped in college. So now she seeks vengeance out by basically going out to bars and pretending to be absolutely smashed. And then if guys try to take her home and try to have sex with her, she gets, so she basically gets them to the point of right before sex. And then she says, stop. And then they keep going. And then instantly, like there's the first scene in the movie, Adrian Brody's character takes her home. She looks, she looks and appears just insanely drunk, gets her home. They start fooling. He starts fooling around with her as she's like basically lying there almost unconscious and she drunkenly says, stop, and he keeps going. And all of a sudden, the camera's just pointed at her, and her eyes just get big and wide, and she just yells, stop. And then that's when the movie shifts. So she basically shames these guys and just, like, it, it's wild. It's an absolutely wild movie. It, uh, 
It's really great acting from from Carrie Mulligan, who again probably won't win Best Actress just because Francis Francis McDormand is up. But I absolutely loved her in this film. There are some comedic parts, um, especially when she starts to meet uh, Bo Burnham. Uh, Bo Burnham is in this movie quite a bit. He did really, really well. This movie kind of shifts into a romantic comedy for about thirty minutes when you watch them kind of okay. get when you watch them kind of get together. But, does she ever try to pull that on him? No. Or like, does she ever try to trip? Like, try to um, shame Bo Burnham? She does not. So okay. the, essentially, how they meet is she works in a like donut shop. I think it's like a donut shop. It's something. It's some kind of odd kind of store. Okay. So she works there, and he comes in there, and he knew her from college. Like he, they all went to the. She, they went to the same college together, and she hadn't seen him in a while. So he mm. he knew her, and he he asked her out. He's asked her. He asked her out like three or four times before she finally said yes, and then they finally start dating. Okay. And uh, do you want me to spoil this movie for you? I don't even know. Like here. You know me, I'm kind of, I don't want to say impervious, but I'm okay with being told details because like I'm all about the, it's about the end or it's not about the end result. It's the journey to get there. Okay. Okay. Um, so during the movie that happened a couple more times where she goes out either, whether it's on Tinder or whether it's on at a bar, she gets, they get there. Like one of the characters, Christopher Mintz Plassey tries to roofie her and she calls mm-hmm. him out for it. And there's a there's a lot of scenes like this, but so between between that happening, she's also basically like doing a detective work of trying to right the wrong of everyone who wronged her friend in college. Okay. So there's really a couple dark scenes. So Allison Bree's character, I don't remember the connection necessarily. I think he was a she was a girlfriend to one of the guys who raped her friend, and they're 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 sitting at a table having lunch one day. Cause like they, they, they meet up and they're like, Hey, let's have lunch. We haven't talked in forever. So they meet up and have lunch. And Cassie's character actually does roofie Allison Bree's character. And there's a guy at the, there's, there's a scene where she goes to the bar at the, at the restaurant and tells a guy like, okay, she's all yours. And it's basically like the, what it looks like. It appears is that he's, she's setting it up for this guy to take her back to her room and do the deed to her. Well, we come to find out that he didn't do it. It was all a ploy to make her think that it happened to mess with her brain. And then throughout the movie, she does this. She does that. She goes actually to the the dean of admissions at the college and who was working or the dean of the college who was who was at the time. The dean, again, during all this, when it happened and confronts her about it. And it's a really kind of messed up scene because right before that, I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here. um, Right before that. Cassie Carrie Mulligan's character finds the Dean's daughter and basically like not kidnaps her, but like tells her that her favorite boy band is playing somewhere and that they get, she gets to go meet him. Okay. So Cassie's character, Carrie Mulligan's character goes to the Dean and starts talking to her about how these young men just destroyed this girl's life. And she's like, Oh, they're such great boys. Like they went on to be great doctors, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, how would you feel if that was your daughter in that room that night? And she's like, well, my daughter would never be in that situation, so it doesn't matter. And she's like, I can, I have proof right now that your daughter is with um, five young men in that same exact dorm room right now. And it just really tense scene. But again, she doesn't go through with it because she's not that monster. Like, she is a monster, but she's not that right. kind of monster. For sure. Um. So about... So, so the, is... Go ahead. I was going to say, is Carrie Mulligan's character like a... 
she's obviously like the main focus. She's kind of the protagonist, but is mm-hmm. she like a almost like a anti-hero in a sense? Yes. And especially okay. that, that that comes to fruition at the very end of the movie. Okay. So do you have any other questions before I start to get into the third act? Um, how good was Carrie Mulligan? Amazing. Like amazing. So definitely definitely worth the best act worth the best actress yes, nomination. Definitely worth the best actress nomination. No one else in this movie was like the the acting in the movie was good. Don't get me wrong. But not worth best actress, best actor, best supporting. Like Bo Burnham doesn't didn't deserve a best supporting actor nod for this movie. No one else in this movie okay. deserves anything else. Carrie Mulligan stole the show. She was numero uno. Every scene is essentially surrounded by her, which is great because okay. she is electric in this movie. She is so good. She's really funny in this movie, which is awesome. I've never seen that from her. Like she's really funny. Uh, she's dark. She's brooding. She's just, she's really, really good. And she's very sinister in a lot of moments, which was fun to see. Okay. She played this character. She had, she had fun with this character despite the, the subject matter. So before we get into the third act, we see Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham together. And all of a sudden Carrie Mulligan finds out that there's a video from that night that of when her friend was, raped and she watches the video and cause she's trying to figure out who was all there. She's trying to get one last, one last thing done. She wants to get back at these guys. And she realizes that Bo Burnham was there. He was at that party okay. and he was watching. Okay. So that's the arc there. So she ends up um, breaking up with him. And then I can't remember. She ends up like getting him arrested as part of, as part of the act of this, the video surf with the video surfacing and everything like that, they actually came and arrested him at it. And he was like a children's physician. So they came and arrested him at his, um, at his practice. clinic. Yep. At his practice. Okay. And the end of the movie, it all comes down to this one bachelor party of the guy who actually did it to her friend. Now they're celebrating his bachelor party. So it's all the guys that were at the party go into this remote cabin and Carrie Mulligan poses as the stripper who comes out to the cabin which mm-hmm. she looked good <laughs> um regardless she poses as the stripper and she finally like she gets the groom upstairs you know like all that stuff whatever she roofs the rest of the party so they pass out she gets him upstairs she handcuffs him to the bed and then just confronts him and i mean it's like a a 10 minute confrontation about everything that happened that night everything that how it affected her life how it affected her friend's life everything from there well it ends up coming down to the guy ends up smothering the pillow and killing carrie mulligan so then we think holy shit like they're all gonna get away with it she's dead the guys all got away with it like there's that the morning after everyone comes upstairs and realizes who she was we think everything's safe all of a sudden we get to a scene at the guy's wedding and each of these each of these setups was was like a chapter or like a uh, like a it was it was significant it was flagged by like a one two three four five and this is the last one this okay. is number five and at the wedding we're seeing everyone celebrating everyone's happy everyone's having a good time all of a sudden it kind of pans out to a wide shot and you see the number five come up and you're like oh fuck and all of a sudden cops raid the entire wedding and arrest every single groomsman and arrest the groom for the rape and. Yeah, everything like that. Awesome movie, dark comedy, very very dark movie. Has great comedic moments in the, in the in the fact of it. Um, it just it just sheds a light on just every the culture around 
like especially drinking in like bars and just guys mm-hmm. taking advantage of women and everything like that it's it's i don't know how else to explain it i can't talk to that as much as you know as other people can i don't want to right i don't that's not you know whatever awesome movie great acting just all around awesome i gave this movie a 92 this was one of my favorite movies of the year i think you and i just flip-flopped i think you gave sound of middle 92 i gave no you give it a 94 sorry Yep. I give this a 92, probably one of my favorite movies I watched in 2020. I advise everyone to watch it despite listening to any spoilers that I might have given you. There's so many more moments in this movie that were amazing. Um, again, Carrie Mulligan deserves all the praise. So when you call it a dark comedy, like, is it truly funny or is it like on a list of like, <clears throat> would you... So another movie that we reviewed recently was I Care A Lot and that mm-hmm. was kind of branded itself as a dark comedy. This is funnier. This is actually funny. Okay. So it helps that Roseman Bo Burnham Pike. is in it. Okay, that's fair. Um, so like Roseman Pike, obviously, also nominated for Best Actress, yep. or she was for the Globes anyway. Yep. Um, Carrie Mulligan better? Yes. Billion okay. times better. Does this movie make you like I Like You a lot less? Or yeah, I, I mean, I watched this movie before I care a lot. Okay. So I still did like I care a lot. I understand the 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 not the people didn't like it. Like I don't think. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's an Oscar winning movie. I care. I don't think I care a lot. It's an Oscar winning movie. I thought it was a good movie for sure. But like when we're talking about dark comedies, like this movie is. When I think of like dark comedies, I think of like I don't know if you've ever seen um, Death to Smoochie. It's it's a it's a it's a it's an early two thousands movie with Edward Norton. Robin Williams is in it. It's it's okay. a it's a dark comedy. I've heard of it, but I've never seen. I'm it. trying to think of like what, what do you always you'd consider like dark comedies, but like this is like the definition of that. Like there's a scene when like they wake up the next morning after that bachelor party and Carrie Mulligan's laying there dead and like all the guys are talking about her body and like who she was and like there is comedic moments in there. Now there okay. is there is more dark so, than there is there is more dark there and there is funny for sure. But yeah, did um. Did you watch Death of Stalin? I haven't yet. No, that would okay. probably be the definition of that. That would be, probably be the definition of dark comedy, though, from everything I've heard. Okay, for sure. Okay, um, trying to think of some other. Were there anything? Was there anything like directorial wise that you would have changed? Like in Sound of Metal, there were some shots that mm-hmm. just felt like they were a little different. Um, maybe didn't quite feel like they were shot um, as well as the other ones like were there was there anything that you would take away like why do you take away eight points from this movie i guess why do i take away eight points from sound of metal no from uh oh from from i from oh i'm sorry yes um because he scored a 92 yeah i think that i like i liked bo burnham's character i liked him a lot i think someone else could probably done a better job but I'm mm-hmm. glad that he got this role because I think they worked out for each other really well. Like they had really good chemistry. Him and Carrie Mulligan did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that someone else could have played this role better in a darker way. But if you were going for more comedy, then yeah, Bo Burnham was definitely the choice there. I the pe- the people I didn't care for the most. I think in this movie, and I didn't mention them at all because they really don't have like a a big factor in it. It was Carrie Mulligan's parents, played by Clancy Brown. Of uh, Mr. Crab's fame, and then, Mr. Crab's little crusty crab. Yep, and then Jennifer Coolidge, who's I mean, it's she's been in a lot of shit. I mean, you'd recognize her mm-hmm. probably most in Legally Blonde, 
in uh, epic movie. I mean, in in, in random movies, like mm-hmm. the, her, the two parents were just kind of like not oblivious, but they were just kind of clueless to a lot of the stuff that was going on. And I didn't really like them. Like they just they weren't that great for me. Um, I I didn't hate the ambiguity of not knowing whether her friend is still around or not, but just I would have liked that closure at the end. That'd have been nice to know, I guess. But okay. to teach their own there. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I didn't like in this movie. I mean, the, this movie was just awesome. I thought it was amazing. But yeah, just a couple of the character choices. Like Carrie Mulligan carried this movie the whole way, so maybe trying to have an extra good actor in there would have been nice. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't hate Bo Burnham, but just having another big character would have been might have been helped carry this movie a little bit better. Would have been my thing, for sure. Do you have any other questions? Uh, you said your score was a ninety-four, ninety-two, ninety-two, ninety-two. Excuse me. Um, no, I think it's definitely on my watch list. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I I do like the dark comedies. I I think this is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. I forgot what movie it was until you started re- you started telling me about it and like all of the like the trailer for it that I had seen a couple times just all clicked in my head. Um, Carrie Mulligan meant to be in her early thirties. Yes. Okay. So I I had never like I didn't I knew about this movie but I didn't know what it was about I never seen a trailer for it before I watched it and I think that helped me a lot. I think that was nice. Sure. I think that was good. I think that was good for me. I think so, with a lot of movies, you should do that because trailers tend to give things away and they also maybe set the tone for a different movie. Like I've seen movie trailers where it's a completely separate tone than what the actual movie is. So then you, right. when you go into it, you expect one thing and you get another. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's bad. I, I'm not saying don't watch movie trailers for something that you're interested in, but at the same time, like it's nice to just go into a movie not knowing a single thing about it. Going a little blind. Yeah, and I think that might have bumped up my score a little bit too, to be honest with you, just because I had no idea what I was gonna watch. Right. So there was that shock factor there for sure. Definitely, definitely. And I also, I also didn't know Bo Burnham was in it, so that was even better. Like, I also didn't realize that Bo Burnham was like six four, six five. Like he's fucking yeah. tall. So I don't know. So this is gonna veer off on Bo Burnham. I don't know how accurate this is or not. And I don't know if it was just LCB again, putting out like a random news article that like um, a random news article that like to try and get clicks or just like piss people off. But so Adam McKay is developing a Lakers V like um, Lakers versus Celtics, like eighties documentary or like series documentary series movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. And apparently Bo Burnham is cast as Larry Bird. This is right, actually, because it's a decent, that's true. It's a decently okay. big cast. Okay. Like, um, I'll I'll read you. Like, they just put it out the other day. Like, so John C. Riley is going to be playing Jerry Buss. Like, there's a ton of people in this movie. I just i I couldn't believe Bo Burnham as Larry Bird, and that's what threw me off. But like. I guess as like a young Larry Bird, I just hope he really grows that gross pedo stash. Yes, I think he could do it. So no, that's that's completely real. Like that's actually they got actually a pretty good cast for that movie. So you should go check that out. Okay. Um, do you have another? Do you have any other questions? That's all I have. Awesome. So now we're gonna do. I I couldn't make it top five. I just had to do like my five favorite. 
So we're going to do five favorite. Um, well, oh, whenever we do top five, it's kind of a favorite list. There, there we go. Okay. I just I couldn't put it in order, to be honest with you. For sure. Um, so we're going to do our five favorite Oscar, best picture Oscar winner movies. Um, for sure. I'll go first. So just to, to oh, point out oh, for the audience, oh. while we're doing this, like, Oscar best picture nominees for the next four weeks, um, we'll also kind of do, like, top fives or drafts of Oscar thing so we'll do like top so this week we're doing best picture winners we'll probably do like best actor winners um maybe do actress or maybe we'll just combine actor and actress and then Mm -hmm. pick like a weird category at some point um best act best oscar uh throwing shade on james cameron aka giving (laughs) his wife the hurt locker award uh or award for hurt locker over avatar things like that I like we'll just it. we'll get we'll get a little weird with it, but we're gonna stick Oscar themes for the next four weeks. I'm all about it. I'm excited. Okay, so my first pick in the Oscar winners, for, I shouldn't even say pick because we're not drafting. So my 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 first my first one is The Departed. Okay, awesome movie, love it. Such a great ensemble cast. It's it's one of the more rewatchable Oscar winners of the last twenty years. Like when you think about Oscar winning movies, like some of them aren't that rewatchable. This one mm-hmm. I can you can I can watch whenever and I can jump in at any point. Sure. It doesn't matter. Like I'm in just any point, whether it's Jack Nicholson's character playing with dildos or whatever. Like you just name it, I'm in for <laughs> it. Like I'm all the way in. So for sure. Uh we'll get to I'll talk about the departed because it's on my list later. Um, but my number I'm gonna stick I'm gonna try keeping it in a top five format. Uh my number one is No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. I love No Country for Old Men. Like Javier Bardem in that movie, I thought was incredible. The cast was so good across the board, whether it's like, whether it was like you're, you're not, you know, people who weren't on the screen very long um, versus the guys who were in there for, you know, again, like the Javier Bardems and the, um, God, I'm just blanking on names and I'm terrible at it, but. (laughs) <laughs> just across the board i think though the cast was great the movie's incredible one of my favorites to sit down and watch solid movie it's a solid movie um this one's gonna be recency bias pick and i don't care at all but it's parasite mm-hmm. parasite sure. blew me away and yeah. again it was one of those movies where i had no idea what it was when i went into it i never watched a single trailer and i was blown away and right. and a lot of people are like, oh, the sound, you know, the barrier of having to read captions on a movie sucks, blah, blah, blah. I was sucked in after the first minute. I didn't realize I was reading captions after one minute. I was right. in. Right. You you forget, like, you so quickly adapt to reading captions that it's not even, like, uh, it's not even a thing. Like, you don't have to pay attention because you're just so quickly enveloping what's say- what they're saying and what's going on. No, it was amazing. I love that movie. Great mix of all genres. Just some of the creepiest shots I've ever seen in my life in, in a non-horror movie. Like, just awesome. Awesome movie. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with The Godfather Part 2. Um, I, I left The Godfather Part 1 off my list and stuck with two. Um, two, just I like seeing, like, the kind of the descent of... Um, of the of your main character uh watching him like just go crazy where he's starting to 
take out his family and be paranoid and everything like that. Uh, also, I liked the, um, I liked everything you get with the younger version of his dad it, being in Italy and trying to develop their business and everything like that. Um, just the whole movie in general. Love it. So good. So rewatchable. Uh, Godfather part two. Awesome. Uh, my next pick is probably one of my favorite movies. And I know it's not everyone's favorite movie. A lot of people were kind of not all about it, but I loved every second of it. And that's Birdman. Um, For sure. Michael Keaton just lo- got lost in that role. And I'm still oh, yeah. so mad he didn't win that year. Like, that was the travesty <laughs> that he didn't win. That was Who such won a, over him? That was that uh, Eddie Redmayne. Was that the Eddie, Eddie Redmayne Redman year? <laughs> that was a good Oscar year because we had uh, Whiplash that year. We had Birdman that year. We had American Sniper, which, yeah, American Sniper was good, but probably not the best picture ever, but still good. It was a, it was just a solid movie year. But, yeah, Eddie, Red, Eddie Redmayne won for that stupid fucking movie. Oh, so the, dumb. But yeah, Birdman's awesome. It's just all the acting. It was superb, like great cast. Emma Stone, probably one of my favorite roles that she's ever had. Edward Norton playing himself was amazing. Um, just the the one takes, the one shot takes that they did were just, it was visually mm. awesome. Yeah. So Birdman, my, my third. For sure. Uh, my number three, I'm going to go with The Departed. Again, just huge cast. It was hilarious. It was dark. It was everything i want out of a mob movie um so it was perfect i love that i love that for you uh my next one is a movie that just makes me feel like a piece of shit every time i watch it and i don't watch it like often and i've even i've even watched it quite a while actually just because like it just makes me feel worse about myself and that's schindler's list schindler's list yeah (laughs) yep it's such a good movie though holy shit it's an awesome movie but right, man, and it's it's also my number four, yeah, and terrible. Oh man, especially yeah, we yeah. won't dive into that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, it's you know one of the all time great directors. Um, you just you can't. It's so hard to top that movie, and like you said, so deep, so sentimental. To the point where, like, after was it after that movie came out, they had like a, um, and like his story got told that, like, people in the Jewish community like went and put rocks on uh, Schindler's grave as like a sign of, um, what's the word I'm looking like a piece for? Peace or like, like honoring him, yeah, and his, like it hit what he did, um, the part with like the that whole movie's in black and white, but there's two bits in color. And it's the little girl, or there's only one thing that's in color the whole time. And it's a little girl's red coat. Fuck, and just rough. like, oh, it's long. It's a long it's movie. A three hour movie. Yeah. Three, almost just, three and a half, I bet. You sit down and it just rips at you. It's it's tough, but it's great. It's a movie everyone should see in their life once. Mm-hmm. And what's your next, what's your last one? Well, it's Schindler's well, List. I, you said Schindler's List. Yes. I'm yep. sorry. So yep. my last one is Godfather Part 2. I, I, okay. I, 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 it, it's, the, it's arguably the greatest movie of all time. Again, like when we talk about Oscar movies, we don't really talk about rewatchability, but that one has rewatchability written all over it, mm-hmm. even for a longer movie. Just, yeah, awesome movie. Yeah, we already talked about it. So I'll go to my number five, uh, Gladiator. 
Nice. I love it's it's probably not as high up on the list as it should be, but I love Gladiator. And Russell, like it was I don't think it was his like breakout movie, but it was like it was Russell Crowe's movie that's like this guy can fucking act. This guy can fucking act. Like like this guy is this guy's gonna be big for a long time. And huge. And it was just it's so good. It's like it's just like a, a movie that's burnt in my memory, and it came out at a time where like Roman, Roman, Rome, and like their mythology and their history and everything like that was like such a big part of what I was studying in history, and history being my favorite one of my favorite subject. It like just had a big part and in, in it, and Gladiators just in like I said, incredible. One of my favorite movies. Awesome. Do you have any honorable mentions? I've got I've got one or two, couple. couple. Uh, so, thirteen, fourteen. So, Force Gump, mm-hmm. definitely on my list. I just I couldn't put it on. I couldn't put it as high as the other movies as much as I love Forrest Gump and love quoting it. It's such a lovable movie, and and love loving it and love everything about that movie. I just I know it's not nearly as good as everything else. And I just I couldn't put it on the list on the top five, but yes, Forrest Gump's definitely close. Silence of the Lambs, Parasite, which you mentioned, Return of the King, like we're kind of the four that I thought of like top of my head. Like these are these are the movies that like shaped me as a kid mm-hmm. or just shaped me like throughout the years. Um, kind of showed me what good movies actually are, uh, as opposed to shit that I've watched in the past. <laughs> um, so yeah, those those movies. Awesome. Yeah, I think you named mine. Um, Silence of the Lambs just really brought like a horror element into the Oscars, which I really loved. Just mm-hmm. awesome, awesome movie all around. Return of the King, just fucking fan fucking tastic movie. Gladiator was just awesome. I mean, there's so many good movies, but yeah, like those would be like the ones that I would talk about as far as like my honorable mentions, like closer to my like my favorites. Mm-hmm. Now I want to sit down and watch these movies, but I know I can't. Because they just they're so long. They are so long. But then I but, so then, but then I look at how much TV I watch that's not these movies. I'm like, I could have watched this movie. Fair enough. But it's more or less like me turning my brain off and just doing nothing. So that's nice. For sure. You want to award the pod? Let's award the pod. Um, I'm gonna award the pod to Rizomed. Just because I after watching that movie today, dude's a solid actor just great performance the fact that he learned how to play the drums like all of the drum work was his own the fact that he mm-hmm. learned american sign language all his all his stuff there just the work he put into this film was just excellent to me and i just he loved dove it. super hard in that role yeah. and he just he just um, it's believable just a believable character mm-hmm. absolutely uh so i'm going to since we kind of we i don't want to say honored jessica uh, Walter already, but um, so I'm gonna since we already talked about it, I'm gonna award the pod to Zack Snyder. I we talked about the Snyder cut in this movie for months, <laughs> and I shit on it. I shit on the idea of doing it. I said it wasn't going to be good. Mm-hmm. I said it, you know, he basic the first one was basically his movie anyway. It wasn't. If you haven't watched the Snyder cut yet, just just etch out, take some time. It's all already divided up into parts. So you have like easily stoppable parts mm-hmm. that you can watch, like a watch an hour, watch an hour and a half, 
watch another hour and a half, finish it off with the final hour and a half or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's such a good movie. The, it, it made like, if, if Warner brothers would have done anything close to this the first time, they would be on such a much better track for uh, like their upcoming movies. And the fact that they didn't put this out makes me really distrust their decision-making. Um, now, granted, I know that Zack Snyder got some reshoots and stuff like that, so it's not all the stuff he had originally, but just so much better of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm notorious for shitting on Zack Snyder. Like, I, it's either him or Wes Anderson are probably the two <laughs> directors I shit on the most. And just, in, it was so good. And I wish they were now, like, moving on with it because it had so much, so many, like, high high points. Mm-hmm. Um and then still fuck Jared Leto's Joker because that was disgusting. <laughs> I, have, I don't know if you watched it yet. I it, haven't. His Joker is is just as bad. It's just as bad. It's so terrible. I haven't so, yet. No, I I will eventually. And like you said, I'll probably end up just breaking it up into into those parts. But I'll check it out at some point here. Yeah, do it. Excellent. Do you have anything else? That's all I have. Excellent. Well, as always, I'm Alex. And I'm Nathan. We'll see you next week. Go watch a movie. Right now. I get it how I live it. Wait a I live it how I get it. Y'all don't really get it. I pull up Wait. in a limit. Blocks get to spinning. Money 3D printing. Never had a limit. A Never been religious. Wait. Wait I just always had opinions. My daddy Wait. told me, listen. You better get some money and Wait. I die, go to prison. Wait. So Wait you see. Yeah, I got rich and stay free. Free the dogs doing BIDs. I know everybody not like me. Hey, got a nerd to want a Billy for a birthday. I said maybe I could rent it for your birthday. Matter of fact, I need a favor for the remix. Maybe I could get some fitness for your birthday. Hey, get the sneaker for your bae. Say we talk, but we ain't speaking every day. And I know you know what P about to say. Bath salt. Biting speakers in the face. 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 I get it how I live it. I live it how I get it. Come to motherfucking digits. I pull it with a lemon. Not cause she ain't living. It's just your eyes get acidic. And this ain't a scrimmage. Motherfucker, we ain't finished. I told you we won't stop. A nigga by the business. Like yours, but you're renting. Way below to the top. Nigga, the bay wrong glide. Tell the paparazzi, get the lens rock. Got the window down, top blown lock. Got the hazard on, only doing five. You could catch me, free, in the new love for all. And the truck behind me got arms. Yeah. Longer than LeBron Just waiting from my thumb like the fawns Woo, this beat tastes like lunch But it's running from veneers And it's running from the fronts But every day, hey, well lemonade I was afraid Once a nigga graduate, would I be okay? So I prayed and I played It's Rihanna, nigga My constellation is space Worst please in the
I get it, now I live it. I live it, how I get it. Count the motherfucking digits. I pull up with a limit. Knock your shit, ain't living. It's just your eyes get acidic. And this ain't a scrimmage. Motherfucker, we ain't finished. I told you we won't stop. A nigga by the business. Like yours, which is grinning. Wave hello to the top. Nigga, the vape run die. Tell the paparazzi to get the lens right. Bouncing around, bouncing. You could catch me. What? Wait a minute.